Red Ray's actually he just decided. He just decided to lie down. He just thinks it looks like we're in long grass, we yeah. should say. And I think Ray thinks this looks like a really nice, comfy bed. On Walking the Dog this week, I went out with actor Larry Lamb and his son George Lamb for a stroll on Hampstead Heath. The lambs are dogless, so we took out Raymond, my Shih Tzu, or my right little Shih Tzu, as I've started to call him, who regular listeners might actually be familiar with. It was a really beautiful sunny autumn day. The lambs had such a lovely father and son dynamic, I sort of wanted them to adopt me. I suggested it, and it went very quiet. You might call it the silence of the lambs. Yes, I got that in. You can catch their show, Britain by Bike, on Channel 5 right now. It's two gorgeous lambs on tour. What more could you want? Oh, and can you please remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes because you'll make a crazy dog lady really happy. Leave your bag. Leave the bag. Do you yeah. think so, Larry? I think you look yeah. funny. Right, we're nearly ready. So we've got Ray, I've got the poo bags. I've got the treats. You've got the treats. Yeah. What about Larry Lamb? What's he got? He's got a little bit of life in him and if we get going soon, he might not fall asleep on the way. Okay, are you going to take gonna Ray, take George? Ray. What's he called? Ray? Raymond. Raymond, yes, Raymond. I, I on, wanted Ray. like... Um, an old man's name. Yeah. Glad you wore your box fresh trainers for the walker in, in the heath. <laughs> I don't have any other thoughts, George, obviously. Why don't we swap sides? Cause, and I can get my good ear to you. Oh, yeah, OK, good. So shall I go in the middle? Yeah, so you, go you go in the middle. Ham sandwich. And I don't the proverbial lamb sandwich. We know the way. This is home turf. I walk this every weekend twice. Do you, Larry? Yeah. I should introduce this. I should say, this should. is Walking the Dog. I'm Emily Dean. I'm here with... Larry Lamb. Actor, Renaissance man, and I'm going to go National Treasure. Larry National Lamb. Treasure, well, there you go. That's a bit of a, that's a bit of a sort of a... Take it, mate. Just take, take it. it. Take oh, it. Take it. Be happy dear. of it. You haven't heard yours yet. Yeah. No. I like, yeah. the, I like the Renaissance man. That's good. I think he yeah, is. So do I. And then we've got George Lamb, your son. Yeah, yeah son of. Yeah. Lamb the Younger. Exactly. Fabulous presenter, broadcaster, DJ. Best dressed man in Britain. What, and once, once, I tell you, it's a struggle to try and hit those heights again. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to call George the people's George Clooney. I'll take it. Do you I'll like that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. That. Happy with that, Larry? <laughs> yeah, exactly. People's I thought George the other George Clooney <laughs> was the people's George Clooney. <laughs> he's no, certainly he's got most lost. of them after him, haven't <laughs> they? The, the, um, the, I did, a, I did the Baftas once. I was, I was doing the red carpet, and yeah. there's these guys called Heckler Spray. Oh yeah, and uh, and they used to do so. They do like a commentary over the top of actually what was going on, and they were. I was the people's Robert Patterson. That was <laughs> that was. Yeah, but I'm happy to more you know to grow into <laughs> yeah. the people's uh, George Clooney. That's great. I love that. So we're here with my dog Raymond because the lambs are dogless. I should yeah. say. And is there a reason for that? Yeah, I would never allow him a dog. Why not, Larry? People don't like them. Come on, oh. man. Larry! No, you joke. just killed Santa. No, yeah. no I didn't. Are you not, um, you're not a dog fan? No, I, no, no I'm, I've, I've lived with dogs a lot in the past. And um, I suppose I'm not somebody that has to have a dog living with them. That's it. So I can live, I can live with them, I can live without them. I've lived with them and I can live without them. How about that? That's <laughs> Short it. Short game's a good At game. At the right? moment, I don't live with them. Raymond just stops walking. Raymond, yeah, he does sometimes. He gets a bit frightened. Okay, come It's all right, Ray, come on. Hey, Ray, come oh, on. actually, George, have you got the treats? Yes. If you hold out a treat for him. Yeah. Let's get Dad to hold out a treat for him, Dad. I, d I think this is probably a thing. I remember Connie when she had her little shit soon next door. She, she's forever stopping in the park, walking around here. Well, so give give, this, give the shit to the, the treat. Here you go, look. Look. Hang on, I want to get it on film, mate. Hang on. It's a little doggy treat. Here he is, man, animal. <laughs> animal lover, Larry Lamb. <laughs> get, you can give it to Yes, Raymond, take it. Go on, mate. Yeah, you're right. Shih tzus do have that Mariah Carey tendency. Where <laughs> what, they're just, just like, right, down. that's it. They get very yeah, showbiz. Of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, George, you never had a dog, but I d you, uh, do you, you know like what? My dogs, do My stepmom had dogs when I was growing up, so I had two. I had two. I'm gonna, do you know what? I think I'm going to carry him. Yeah. Really? That's what Connie had to do. In the end, they got a pushchair with a little seat in it. And they used to wheel the dog round, wheel the dog round the park. Yeah. That's going to be me soon. Yeah, there it? you go. Um, Come on, Raymond. No one will think I'm the Mad Lady of Hampstead at all. There's plenty of them around here. <laughs> um, yeah, I had dogs when I was a kid. 
Yeah. And then I briefly, I got a dog called Charlie Murphy, who was oh, lovely. Yeah, but he was a, he was a Springer Spaniel, and we lived it. You know, we're living in and London. And he was a she as well. And he was oh, a, okay. Oh yeah, he was a she. Yeah, that's true. Come on, and get you the dog. Charlie. Charlie. Yeah, he's a dog lover. No. Don't forget. Right. <laughs> yeah, the dog called Charlie Murphy. That was a girl. I, and he was forgotten. I used to tell my <laughs> mum off all the time for calling it a he, and now I've turned into my mum. That's wicked. Um, uh, Charlie Murphy's alive and well, but he, she lives back on the farm where she came from because oh, really? basically I was doing an hour a day walk with her. The dog walker was doing two hours and my flatmate was doing an hour and it still wasn't enough for her. So No, um, it's a, that's the thing. It's a big commitment, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's one of the things that deters me. Really? I mean, I sort of basically like them, but you can't... It's bad enough in ki having kids and having to devote your life to looking, <laughs> you after, looking after kids. Having kids. Oh, the old truth serums kicking in. You know, looking after kids is enough. I always think, because I grew up in a slightly theatrical showbiz background. Did you? Yeah, and I sort of tend to think it's a bit the suitcase in the hall, I always called my background. Yeah, like, there you go. Like travelling people. You can't, you we can't take on people. anything yeah. else, right? Yeah. You can't take anything else on, right? A dog, you start, start talking to families like that and a dog, oh look, hang on a minute, what? Okay, so yeah. we're going off here yeah. for three weeks. What are we gonna do with a dog? We'll yeah. spend all the money we're gonna earn putting it in a, in a kennels. Well, my mum would always say things like that. She was like, well, we can't get a dog. I mean, and what if Trevor Nunn calls? And my sister would say, Trevor Nunn's not gonna call. <laughs> but, um... and, then, and then they had a row, right? <laughs> exactly. Why not? What's your mum a turn? <laughs> yeah. What's her name? Yeah, well, we'll talk about this later. This right. is your podcast, Larry. That's all right. This is your moment. So I want to, I'm really fascinated by you two, like majorly fascinated, because I think you've got such a lovely relationship and I want to know how you manage it. And I know you've talked before about how, George, you've, you know, it's been quite a conscious thing, hasn't it? Being well, a... his mum stopped me bullying him. I was yeah. bullied and dominated by my father who was an interesting, intelligent, some ways fascinating man, but he had no idea how to father because he'd been mishandled by a father who'd probably been mishandled by a father. Yeah. And I met George's mum and fell madly in love with her. And about a year and a half after we met, George was born and we didn't stay, we stayed together for about three years, but there was this horrendous, I, I, was, I was exhibiting bullying behaviour in the park one day yeah. and she just pulled me and she said, look, you know, if you want to repeat performance of what you've got with your, your dad, yeah. that's the way to do it. And I just stopped dead because from that moment on, it was completely honest. Yeah. And because with kids, they only, they only get honesty. If you're in any way dishonest with them, everything's cast, everything's cast into doubt. This person that loves them is being nasty to them something's wrong, they can't understand it. And so I'd been brought up literally in a war zone with these two people that were my parents going at each other from the day I was conceived. And uh, I sort of thought, okay, I don't want this for him, so I better stop. And so, you know, 30 odd years down the line, we have this extraordinary relationship. It's so lovely. I know. And what was your experience of that, George? Like growing up, was your dad? Did you always think of your dad as like like a cool dad, like one of the cool dads? Uh, like you know, I, I um, like all little boys. I kind of you know worshipped my dad and looked up to this man and thought he was Superman. But you know, he met like, Superman and realised I wasn't. Yeah. Well, wasn't Larry in Superman? <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't Superman in Superman. Yeah, exactly. He was that was dead. it. He didn't even get to wear the suit. Oh, he did know Superman. I was born in the same hospital as Superman's son. That's how Dad got the job. Really? Yeah, something like that, no? Well, the third one, yeah, the third well, look, one. Look, Ray's met someone, everyone. It's a big moment. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, That's a lovely turned, dog. She's, she's What's turned... your dog? Uh, a schnoodle. Oh, a schnoodle, yeah. Who's left? Uh, yeah, you know, so, like, yeah, of course, I adored my dad like everybody else and saw him as this big, you know, kind of amazing superhero character. And, you know, dad was travelling a lot when I was young and he was around. He, you know, we, we spent time together and we did lots of cool stuff, but yeah. my mum was the one who was doing all the disciplining. Was she? Was she the disciplinarian Yeah, she's then? Scottish and she's hardcore. So and she instilled a, a lot of, you know, a lot of the values that make George the interesting and likeable character that he is because she's a, you know she's a very very powerful influence on anybody 
and that's what it, and that's what I wasn't. I was sort of like a this kind of big old dad, um, but she was she was really the backbone of the thing, you know. Even though we weren't together. And you two sound like you've kept a nice relationship. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah when I was when I was I went off to school from like eleven to sixteen, and then when I came back, I came back to live with dad for a couple of years. Yeah. And um, and that was a really because that was the first you know me coming back as a you know, on my way to being an adult. And so the dynamic changes completely. You know, like I, I, I was adamant I was going to come back to London. I'd had enough of being away. And, you know, and just started to get interested in clubbing and, you know, wanting to go out going and that out kind of things. thing. Or, or you can see it on the horizon anyway. And, um, and I knew mum would have just, you know, mum was going to try and be on lockdown and, and dad would let me have a bit of a kind of free pass. So I, well, I, you're I, smart. You'd worked out what was going to work yeah. best for you in that scenario, you know. And, um, and we... Every Friday, I'd have I'd have a Fridays off from like eleven, and I'd come back and just hang with Dad all day, because really? he wasn't work like he was having a bad patch at work. When was that? Was that so? That was pre Gavin and Stacey and EastEnders, yeah, yeah, yeah. pre what I'm calling Larry Lamb 2.0. Exactly. There you go. Which was the uh, the resurgence. Well, there was a, there was yeah. a point where Dad hit fifty. For all actors, you know, at 50, well, men anyway, I'm sure women, it happens much earlier, but, you know, at 50, you kind of, everybody gets knocked down the pecking order a bit, you know, right. because the, the parts aren't there for you. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, if you were playing the leading role, now you're playing the dad. If you were playing the dad, you're now playing the uncle, you know, and down it goes. And then yeah. the, at the same time, the, the reality TV thing kicked off. And so all the budgets for drama went out of drama and went into reality TV. And so there was no work around, you know, and... It, it, that for me actually was the kind of like the, the bit where I realized that dad was just a guy, you know? Really? Yeah. And he, you know, you know, he, I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, you know, he had, he had, he like most, like a lot of men going through that whole thing, you know, like he had a bit of a breakdown and, um, and I remember like, I remember dad lying in bed being like, you know, in tears and me lying next to him, like, you know, holding this great, big guy who was my hero and kind of and he lost loads of weight and 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 just kind of holding him and thinking like oh, shit he's just a dude like he's just a bloke and he's doing his best and you know and but then that's amazing that I think your dad was able to be vulnerable with you absolutely and you know what your dad was saying earlier what Larry was saying earlier about that honesty with children and being honest all the time whether it's I've met a new partner do you know what I mean? Whether yeah. that's, I'm not going to be with your mum. Just tell them the truth, because they'll yeah. cope with it. There's yeah. so many people get them tied up in knots telling lies. Yeah. Children basically will cope with everything as long as it's not dividing their loyalties. If somebody's dead, they'll deal with the reality. They won't like it, right? Yeah. But don't get them involved in a situation where they're, 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 they're defending mum and dad, right? Well, you had that when your mum left, didn't you? Because yeah. Your dad slightly ooh, turned you ooh. against your mum, yeah. Ooh. Or tried to, anyway, yeah. And, and so, what, you know, what came out of his mum and I living apart was a situation where the, implicit in the arrangement was no slagging off. I like that. Larry's made it so he said, yeah. no slagging off. No slagging off. off. Which must have been quite difficult for my mum. <laughs> That's what they said in the therapist's office. No, here's the rules. Yeah. Yeah. My no gap, my rules, no slagging off. No slagging off. If we had a big row, it was always on the phone. He never, you and he George's would, mum? Yep. He, would ne he was never exposed to rucks at all. So he, was, he wasn't around. Um, Larry's picking up a face, George. Come on, me and you and Ray. So yeah, I, yeah, you can't walk too fast because the dog no. really isn't having it. <laughs> so that, that really is what happened. We just, we just didn't... We, we had our fights... And there were a lot of them, but we did them out of the way of him. And we never, ever started each running the other one down, you know? He, I was always daddy. If daddy was on the phone, his daddy's on the phone. Not that bastard father of yours on the phone. None of that was going on. Yeah. And, and the same thing with me vis-a-vis -vis her. It was always mama, you know? Well, it's, Jimmy Carr has a thing. He always says you've got to, in relationships, whether you stay together or you split up or whatever, you have to keep your side of the street clean. Yeah, you better believe it. The relationship, it might stop, you, you know, you might not be living together anymore, but you are linked through that child yeah. forever. That's it. Like it or lump it. And all these poor souls that get involved with these great battles and what they don't, they just don't seem to understand all you need to do is hoist the flag of truce, 
go and sit in a cupboard somewhere and discuss the terms of the truce, put a show on for the kids and the kids will buy it, hook, line and sinker. Yeah, of course they will. Because they want to. Yeah, exactly. And it suits everyone and, you know. Exactly. And you know what? It. You'll have a much, a much more peaceful life as you get older. Ray's a very small dog. He's, he's, he needs to go very slowly. <laughs> okay. This needs to become more yeah, of an but, amble. Well, we need to talk about this because the reason that Larry Lamb is charging ahead is because he's Britain's healthiest, most active man currently. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say that's true? He's definitely... You're 70, Larry. He's got, to be, he's got to be in the top kind of 10 percentile for active 70-year-olds, for sure. But it's incredible. Oh, and you work yeah. out every day, don't you? I do, I do some exercise every day. I'd hardly call it a workout. What about you, know? you George? Um, How old I, are you now, if it's not a rude question? I'm 38 in December. OK. And I was always, until I'd say probably about two years ago, I was always pretty, you know, athletic and fit and on yeah. it. And I fell out of love with running a couple of years ago. And, um, and that was kind of tough. And I also, I, I was a kickboxer for years and I kind of got a bit carried away and started going into competitions and having fights and doing all sorts of stuff. And I got quite badly hurt and found myself a little bit out of my depth in one in the last one. Right. And, um, and that's kind of like soured that whole thing. So simultaneously, the two things that kept me really active kind of stopped. And I, so yeah, so I'm trying to figure out what the next move is. I've been doing yoga quite a lot recently. Oh, yoga's good. Well, I've got another tip, which is get a dog. Yeah. Because honestly, this, why I like walking the dog is because, and I'm not plugging my show here, but I like doing it because it forces me to get out of the house. Like, it's yeah. good for your mental health as well. Yeah. Have to go in the morning, have to go in the evening, have to do a Larry Lamb hike. Larry's taking it. Look, oh, no, look Larry at Larry doesn't go. About. So we're, and we should say, I don't even know if I said we're in Kenwood. Which is kind of your manner, really, for We're both of you guys. We're in the heat now. In the heat, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. And you guys just did this show, which is out, coming out very soon. Yeah. It's called Britain by, by Bike. By Bike. It's, out every, it's on every Friday night. It's on Channel 5. Yeah. And uh, we, we went off around. So Dad uh, turned 70. We turned 70 on Sunday. Congratulations, and, uh, Larry. Thank you. Did they throw you a party? Well... We had a bit of a party on Loose Women today. Are you two on that Loose Women? You're on it all the time. I know, nice. such a good vibe. Do you like doing it? Dad's, I think it's Dad's natural habitat. And so, uh, yeah, so we went off around four national parks. We were trying to think of what to do for Dad's 70th. On his, for his 60th, we went to the Himalayas and went walking. Wow. And uh, in the foothills of the, of the Himalayas, which was just incredible. And if you, not if you, you, you if, if you can, make the time yeah. to go and visit the Himalayas because it's really magical. It's incredible, isn't and it? I think when you see mountains that are 8,000 metres high, you, it really gives you some perspective on quite how inconsequential we are in the big scheme of things. And <laughs> He's so enjoying it, I think. He likes it, but it's just quite tough for him. I know, imagine, but it's good for imagine him. Imagine the pace he's going. <laughs> like just for the record, guys, Ray is, at best, Ray's like nine inches top of head to ground. You know, probably at more. At best. Probably well, not about, much more than nine inches weighs, head to tail. Yeah. Yeah. He weighs so, like what, kind of? Scale-wise, I reckon he's like one fiftieth of me. So he. It's and weight-wise, he's a like, he's a Kardashian bottom, I think. Right. Okay. Not even. Not yeah. even. He's a cheek. He's one Kardashian <laughs> cheek. He's on. It's kind of like Jurassic Park with him running yeah. between your legs. Yeah. It's like that scene where the big dinosaurs and their feet go boom, boom, exactly. boom on the floor. This and is lovely for him. Yeah. So anyway, so, so, so you anyway, went we go to, to these four national parks. We went to Loch Lomond and the Trossachs. We went to the Yorkshire Dales. Hey, we you went with sheepdogs as well, which I saw. We we went we went and trained us. We went to meet a sheepdog trainer called Sean, it's and amazing. we trained we trained a sheepdog, and then we took her to market the next day and sold her. And um, and it oh, was. Um, sure. Oh, we've got some dogs coming up here, guys. Haven't it we? was amazing. It was it, the best bit of the whole trip was going and meeting. And oh, Dad's Larry's just going off road. I know he's going to get. Water. Larry, Larry and I are stopping to get some water from the fountain. Yeah. That's a good picture. <laughs> Can you hear it? Animal. The producer just got the sound effect of Larry. So, so you, so you had the sheepdogs. Yeah, that was like, in just, Yorkshire. In was Yorkshire, it? but just yeah. hanging out with all these people, you know, like so often you go to places, you have a little bit of chit chat in the cafe or whatever. And but really, really, how far do you immerse yourselves in other cultures and other, like you know, like that aren't 
the other side of the world, you know. And yeah. the answer for me anyway is very little. And actually, you know, the luxury of this job is we got to go out and hang for a day with lobster fishermen. We got to yeah. go and work sheepdogs for a day with a sheepdog trainer. We got to, uh, you know, um, what did we do? We went ride up a mountain with a with a professional cyclist. Yeah, we went we went and drove you know, a great big steamer on wow. on, on Loch Kilfoyle. And you you had an electric bike, you didn't? Yeah, yeah, I had a normal bike. Yeah, I was very lucky. They said to me, rather embarrassed they were. <laughs> um, would you um? Would you consider riding an electric bike? And I said, I would consider that an absolute treat. But how nice for you guys to be able to do that and work yeah. together. Yeah. yeah. And is that happening? Because I was going to say, actually, Larry, your career resurgence with EastEnders yeah. and with Gavin and Stacey, did it sort of coincide in a way with when George was starting to get a lot of work on TV? And Well, George, it sort of coincided with George. What was going on was George was doing lots of work and I suddenly started to do things that weren't acting. There were all sorts of people who were very interested in putting us together. The problem was we were running two different schedules. Yeah. We weren't essentially a team at that point. So we missed out on a few things. We did one thing that didn't work out quite as well as it might have. And then, of course, we've... But how nice that you sort of run into your son in green Lovely. rooms and say, oh, should we share the cab home, Dad? Lovely, Literally, yeah. that's how it was. It was <laughs> really? really, it was weird. I'd turn up at an awards ceremony <laughs> and, and yeah, because at that point he was still kind of half living in France a little bit. So we weren't, you know, living in each other's pockets. No. And, uh, and literally I'd turn up at things and be like, oh, that's my dad. Cool, dad. <laughs> you know. And, yeah, uh, between us, we, we know a lot, a lot of people. Yeah. And do you look at George now, Larry, and feel quite proud? Very proud. In terms of... In terms of his overall, his overall take on the world, in terms of the person he is, you know, what he does for a living, as far as I'm concerned, is not exactly the most important criteria. It's who he is yeah, in the world, the you know? Well, also, I know, because, George, you had a bit of a... I'm not going to say midlife crisis. It was pre-mid. It was pre-mid, wasn't yeah, it? Was it was existential, existential crisis. You had a moment, didn't you, a few yeah. years back? Yeah. And I, what happened there? Um, I'd been, you know, I'd been like happily, I bought into the whole, you know, bought into the whole game and I, you know, and I'd worked pretty hard and I'd taken all the opportunities that had been afforded me and done pretty well quite early on in my life. You know, we all kind of, you know, we all set out and we, we chase the same things, these kind of, these uh, kind of, I don't know, whatever they are, like perceived wants, basically. You yeah. Know, like, and, and I chased after them and I got them. But you know, I was I was doing I was doing what most young men do did certainly of my generation, which was run after you know power and money and you know perceived success. And then I got I got it maybe not to the nth degree, but you know I had all the trappings you get with you know kind of fame and fortune and all the rest of it. So I had a nice you know big house and a flash car and you know like adoring you know fans or whatever. And and like and it just wasn't making me happy. I, you know, I got all this stuff in that bit where you kind of, you think when I get to X, I'll be happy. And I got to X and I wasn't happy. And I remember ringing dad and just being like, dad, I don't know what's going on. I've done kind of what I was meant to do. I've got all this stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and why weren't you happy? Empty. Well, because I didn't, there was no real purpose, you know. And I think if you don't have purpose, then the whole thing's pointless. You know, it's actually, the job I do is great. And it's really what a lucky thing to do the job that I do. But if it doesn't have any purpose and there's no direction to it and it's not kind of leading to anything... And you're basically just kind of getting caught up in this cycle of kind of fame. Going up here, Larry. And Larry, what did you think when George said that to you? What was your response? Well, the difference between George's upbringing and mine in terms of gradual development was when I left Britain, age 20, almost 21. Was this when you went to Canada? When I went to Germany. Oh, to Germany, yeah. Well, when I went to Germany, I went to Germany to be an encyclopedia salesman. And um, I was A, looking for an adventure, but B, most importantly, looking for a life. You know, I had no life. I was just a sort of character that had evolved from this warlike state that I'd been raised in. And I thought, OK. There's got to be something better than this going on. This is not doing it for me. And uh, I remember to get out to Germany, I'd been hired 
and they said, well, you can drive out and we'll buy, buy you a ticket. I thought, I don't want to take my car out there. I'm going to leave it here and I, I'll chance my luck. And I bought a ticket, a plane ticket to fly to Frankfurt. I'd never, I'd never been on a, a proper aeroplane before. And I got on that plane, I sat on there, and as it took off, I thought, right, goodbye, you're out of there. Yeah. And that is it. I'm not having anything to do with any of that nonsense ever again. Right. And it took me, you know, nine going 10 years to come back. And I only came back because I'd become an actor. And somebody said to me, well, you know, being an English actor in New York is all right if you're here and you've already had a big, you're already yes. discovered. Yeah. If you're trying to make your way, it's not the same. And they just said, look, I think it'd be a very, it was Jeremy Brett who I was working oh, yes. with. Yeah, and he yeah, said yeah. to me, he said, you know, you would work in England. He said, here, you're going to struggle. Mm. And that was it. I literally, I went down the road, I bought a ticket. I flew back. I arrived back here. I'd never, as I say, no intention of ever doing that. Mm. I remember getting on the top of a, you could, back in those days, you could get a, a double-decker red bus from the airport into the West London Air Terminal at Gloucester Road. Yeah. And I sat up on the front of that bus like I was a tourist in my own country, you know? Yeah. Just watching it all. I went away and I came back on my own terms. That's what happened. And, and George, George has done his thing a different way. But what I, the, the, the key thing is there was nobody, nobody really even knew where I was. I was gone. I would have occasional correspondence with my mum and my dad, but that was it. And certainly, absolutely, nobody having anything to do with my life or how it ran or what I was doing in it. Yeah. Whereas George has always had these two overbearing bossy parents <laughs> breathing down his neck. But not dominant. Since the, since, <laughs> but not dominant, except his mum. Uh, since, since the day, since the day he was born. That's yeah. the difference. Yeah. But on a, on a positive note. But then you note. do, you know, do you think as a parent, if you, the intention is to give your kids roots and wings, yeah. do you look at George and think you've done that? Yeah. Well, between his mum and I, mm. I do. I think with George, talking about you like you're not here, yeah. it's like well, a school I'm a couple interview. of steps behind. I know you are. kind of weird. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like dog porter. Like a surrendered wife following yeah. us. Yeah. But um, I read something. I think it was a TV controller. Hello. Oh, hello, hello gorgeous. Hello. This is a nice, what is it, a Labrador retriever? Lovely, lovely. Oh, absolutely beautiful. Wait, wait, do you want to say hello? <laughs> there's a whippet and I think it's a great whippet, is it? It's Italian grey now. Oh, Italian Oh, beautiful. Oh, that's Barack Obama's dog, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, not his actual dog. I'm not suggesting yeah. you've stolen it. <laughs> but yeah, I was saying about George, I think you're someone who, and I read this, I think it was a controller or someone said about you, like you own a room, so you have a lot of presents. Because people talk about your looks a lot. You know, when I say, oh, I'm seeing George and Larry Lamb, and, you know, there's a lot of fan waving at Larry, and they're like, oh, Larry Lamb, and then they, you get the same about George. But I think sometimes if I were you, George, I think, does, does that get a bit irritating there's sometimes? more to me than... And fan waving. And fan waving. But do you think, does that genuinely sometimes oh, annoy listen, you? It's, it's, or do you like it? The, 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 the female attention. I think the downsides of, you know, being, you know, reasonably good looking uh, are far, far tinier than the upsides, basically. <laughs> you know, like, life's not that difficult if you're handsome. You know, so they so they tell us. Yeah. Well, you know, we're doing all right. We're out in the park with a beautiful lady being interviewed. You know, yeah, exactly. What in the middle of the afternoon, not <laughs> having been at work any time recently. What so. did you do today? I went on the telly. Oh, did you? Yeah. And then I came home and I did a radio interview. God, it was hard. So you don't get that sense. Although having said that, if it was a woman that someone was saying, "Oh, yeah, George Lammy's really good looking," that would be seen as reductive, wouldn't it? Somehow, yeah. that would be seen as inappropriate and rude but I like that you own that though that you say yeah well I'm handsome yeah but like whatever you have to know what you're good like I've, I feel like finally as I'm getting nearly 40 I know what I'm good at like I know what I'm good at in life in business in relationships and, and I what know, is that uh, I think I think it's, it's hard to accept as well that people 
find you handsome. Do you know what I mean? Why, Larry? You wanted to get in on it. <laughs> yeah, well, I think they, no, I mean, for you, I'm talking about you. Like when I was a, I was a kid, God almighty, talk about ugly duckling. <laughs> Was George, George wasn't an ugly duckling though, was he? Yeah, he went through teenage pudding yeah, on yeah, the face, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> teenage face pudding. But, um, but you I know, George, the difference between wasn't... George and me yeah. is that George's mum yeah. is a stunner. Yeah, well, I can, I can only imagine. <laughs> well, you know, it's not very nice about your poor your mum, is it? Yeah. And my mum was good looking, <laughs> right? But your mum was a stunner. <laughs> yeah. My mum's dead and yours isn't. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it light, mate. <laughs> um. But you know what's interesting? So, Larry, I had an incident which I think you'll enjoy. When I, f I first met George about, was it about five, six years ago, George? Probably, yeah. And we were in a private members club in London. London's glittering it's all London. Their fault. Yeah. yeah. And we just got sat at a table together quite randomly. And I do a radio show with Frank Skinner and George listened to it. And we just were chatting and we really got on. And the guy I'd gone there with reacted really strangely because yeah. George and I were chatting. I should say in a completely platonic, just friendly way. I'm a fan of your radio show. We just got on. It was nothing sort of, Such no funny business. It's a shame that people think that it has to all be funny business. But I think th Ray's actually just decided. <laughs> he just decided to lie down. He just thinks it looks like we're in long grass, we yeah. should say. And I think Ray thinks this looks like a really nice, comfy bed. Well, I think he thinks he's met somebody that's got longer hair than he has. He's just... very big. Ray's met someone. Anyway, do carry just on. Like yeah, so anyway, you might have to pick him up, George. Sorry, I'm sorry, sorry if you sorry, don't mind. No, no, no. I think Got he's it. just tired, he's had enough. So, Larry, yeah, this guy, when I left, I said to George, look, I'm going now. And he said, oh, yeah, we should have a coffee or, again, in a completely innocent, nice way. And it suddenly occurred to me that men are quite intimidated by George. Do you notice that? Well, you know, if you're, if you're six foot five, you tend to be quite intimidating anyway. And you're six foot five, and you kind of look like a, a Greek god, then people aren't just intimidated, but a lot of men start getting, I think the expression is, jealous. Well, they get jealous. So me and my friend, sorry, sorry Larry, had this thing we worked out, which is that George once called me, and I had, I think, I can't remember, it was where I was working, and I said, oh, I must bring him back, and I had missed call, George Lamb, it said on the screen. So my friend said, take a screenshot of that and put that as your screensaver, so that if any man is ever messing you around, you just put your phone on the table and it says, one miss call, George Lamb. That's very good. That's very and good. And we decided we were going to send it as a service out to women whose partners are treating <laughs> them badly. The one missed call from George Lamb screenshot. Oh, wow. What do you think, Larry? Yeah, well, what you could, well, the best way to do it really is put four missed calls from George <laughs> Lamb. That's much better. In fact, let's sort that out today. I'm going yeah, to market yeah. it. It's going to make us all a lot of money. Yeah. It's brilliant. Larry, I really loved your book as well. Thank you. I read your book. Thank you. And I loved it because I thought you were really honest. Thank and I you. I think it's hard, as you were saying earlier, to be vulnerable sometimes yeah. about things that have happened to you. But yeah. it was some of the stories really made me quite sad and I found it really moving. There was a story about your mum with this teapot and I can't yeah. get it out of my head. Where yeah, I know. Your dad... Neither can I. He basically pulled a teapot on her head. Yeah. Well, they, 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 they were the sort of stunts Victorian men pulled. Yeah. You know, you wanted to make... You, know, like you, you wanted to pull, a, pull a, a sort of tantrum. Just get a, you know, a, a Victorian man to show, you know, particularly working class, probably the middle classes or the upper class were just as good. Yeah. But, boy, you had, you had plenty of training for it. Yeah. My, my grandfather, his father, was this really belligerent man who was, he was less than five foot tall. Mm. I was taller than him when I was 11. And uh, he was a drinker, he was a beer drinker. And he'd been known, like in a, in a real, a real like high bait, high real anger trip, to pull every moving thing down out of the living room and throw it all on the fire. All yeah. of it, curtains anything, ornaments, clock, whatever there was, right, all on the fire, that sort of thing, right? You know, you're gonna make a statement, mate. You wanna make statements? Watch this, right? Yeah. That was the attitude. I am the boss and I will do whatever I wanna do to make sure you understand you mean nothing. Bullying, I mean real bullying. 
and he did it. You know, that's what he did, and that's what my that's what my father was brought up with. But that's what's interesting is patterns, isn't it? Yeah, so absolutely. You know that Philip Larkin quote I really like, which is that yeah. man hands down misery to man, whatever. Yeah. And you think actually what you've done perhaps is stop that. Do you know what I mean? That's quite an amazing his, achievement. His mum stopped it. George's mum. His mum, if she hadn't said what she said on that day, yeah. I'm sure it would have trampled on through and ruined everything and we would not be here having this interview today. I'm absolutely convinced. Do you ever feel, you know, we try so hard, don't we? We know those patterns from our parents. Do you ever feel it, it in you sometimes? Do you ever think, oh, that's my old man inside me, I can feel it? I spent a long, long time going to an amazing old shrink and, uh, and talking all of that through yeah. that whole that whole father thing. Do you, like, do you think therapy's good? Def, def, oh. What were you going to say, George? I was going to say, uh, there's definitely, like everybody, there's a lot of dad's dad coming through him, you know. When he, yeah. went, when he went in the jungle, yeah. we had to write a letter to, you know, the loved one gets to write a letter in, and I was trying to use code to say really? uh, that I... I'd seen a lot of, um, and the character in, in Gavin and Stacey is called Mick Shipman. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I, I've, and his dad was called Ron. I was like, I've seen loads of Ron, which was a big surprise. I didn't, I didn't expect to see him. Hoping I'll bump into Mick soon. And uh, yeah, Mick's a better, you know, Mick's, yeah. Mick's a I much better guy. And he Did you not get it, Larry? No, because if, it was mixing up codes, right? Yeah. If he'd have said, I've seen a lot of Mick, I've, I haven't seen enough of Mick and I've seen too much of Archie, I'd have got it immediately. Because Archie he was mixed your EastEnders character. Yeah. He was mixing them up. Yeah. My fault. Yeah. Right. Because afterwards, when he explained to me, I thought, how did I? And that's what it was. It just obviously on the. That's amazing that you did that, though, George. That you were thinking. Yeah. I tried to not let my dad have a meltdown in public on television. No. Because yeah. <laughs> I think that took guts, though. That, no, but that, that, that is actually to have that relationship. Yeah. Where you could sort of. Run the Look risk after of him somebody. Saying, what the hell were you doing that for? You should have just been sending me a message saying brilliant, you know. Yeah, but that's not. I mean, you know, we're not here just to pat each other on the back. You're here to keep each other in check and to and see. And that's get, what he gets from his mum. Get the best out of each other. You know, yeah. he gets that from his mum. My job is yeah. not to be there to tell people they're great all the time or everything's perfect all the time. Yeah. Just as yours isn't. If you know, if we're going to have a friendship, a relationship, yeah. whatever. You know. Yeah, so that's interesting. And did you feel, Larry, when you came out of the jungle? Because I remember seeing you with that canoe moment and I thought, wow, this is incredible. But did you feel, do, do you come out and did you just feel, it's hard though doing that, isn't it? It's wonderful. Did you love it? It's one of the most important things I think I've ever done. Really? Yep. Why? We, we, we went to see a film made by Bruce Parry the other night, yeah. which is basically making us understand where we've all come from yeah. Where some people have managed to stay and have a wonderful life with nothing that we feel we have to have. Yeah. Right? You have no phone, you have no internet, you have no books, you have no means of writing, you have no means of reading. Yeah. You have nothing at all that interrupts just the general life that you have. You have a minimum of food, right? Which you have to share with everybody else. And the effort of getting the food is is a, is a communal thing, okay? That's basically returning to that. What they do is they mix it up with those stunts, which turn it into a competition, right. but you need that competition to earn the food. So you've got a bit of a mix up in there, but as I watched the film, I thought, watching those people sitting around, touching each other for no other reason than they were close, yeah. and sitting in that jungle there with those boys, sitting with their arms around each other, just like literally cuddling each other, just for no other reason that we were close and there was nothing else to think about. Yeah. I was never bored, ever once bored, ever. Never hungry, right? It was an extraordinary thing to go through. Really? Yeah. Would you recommend, would you do it, George? Dad's, Dad's a big advocate of it. This is never say never. I'd quite like to go and live in the jungle. I'd like to go and maybe live in a camp and, you know, try that life. So I'm not necessarily sure I want to do it on television. Yeah. I, I'm also, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for facing my fears and all the rest of it, but I'm not, like, wild about, like, creepy crawlies and all the rest of it. Yeah, but that's what people worry about too much, you know. It's like the thing, 
the thing you have to remember, which is what I twigged straight away, there is no way that anything that's going to be very dangerous yeah. is going to be allowed in the frame because it's telly, right? Forget it. Forget it. I think also it's different when you're a 70 year old guy. Yes, yeah. You know, naturally, all the stuff, you know, everything starts to slow down and you start to, you know, kind of worry that you're not as confident as you used to be. And literally, as we say this, a load of young <laughs> boys come running over, like cascading over the hill. Yes, boys. And uh, doing cross country. And, um, and I think it was a really amazing challenge for dad to go and do all of that stuff, you know, to go and yeah. push himself. And he came back, you know, he literally left and we were weeping saying like, my dad, my dad, don't let him. I, was, I remember the like last thing I said was, don't let him do anything you don't want to do. And then, and then he came back and he was like a different man. He lost about 10 years, I think. <laughs> so George, your dad had therapy. Have you had therapy? Lots. Have you? Yeah, lots, lots. What do you think of it? I think it should be mandatory for, for kids growing up. I think do it's you? absolute, absolutely crazy that you know we, they teach us all of this stuff in school much of most of which is you know like, well not most a lot of which is very important but they teach you absolutely nothing about how your mind works and how your how your spirit works and and I, and I think that's really sad because you know we, we then you know you fill these kids up with loads of knowledge that's supposedly yeah. the, the important stuff and you push them out into the world and of course you know the world's a big bad tough place and there's it's full of complexities and it becomes tough and then you don't actually have the toolkit there to deal with it, you know? And I think it's really sad that there's this huge stigma around it. And I think it's really sad it's really expensive as well. But I think it's great that you guys are saying this because I think if more men admit to it, you know, I think women are much more will readily say I'm in therapy, yeah. you know? Whereas in my experience, I've often had, particularly doing this show actually, sometimes men will say, oh well, isn't that just where you blame other people all the time for what happened to you? And I, and I always say, no, that's the opposite of therapy. Yeah. It's taking responsibility for your own impulses and, and making sure that you don't continue patterns like we were well, talking about. This is about. the thing, you know, I spent my whole life continuing, do, you know, do, doing like so many people, you just do the same thing over and over and over, and then you're doing it, repeating stuff that your dad's done, that, he's a, that his is a repetition of somebody else's stuff. So now I'm repeating third-hand stuff, and it just seems crazy to me, yeah. you know, and I was very lucky that I'd, you know, made enough money that I could go and, you know, absolutely, I went three days a week for six months, and, um, and it was wicked. It was the yeah. best. It's the best thing I've ever done. Really? Yeah, totally. And and, and being onto yourself, you know, when you start seeing the same patterns re-emerging, the same thing happening. Yeah. And now having the tools to be like, oh, all right, I see what's happening here. Well, that's the thing. You catch yourself, don't you? Yeah. You sort of think, you know, oh, we're getting right back up to the house now. We're getting back up to Kenwood. Ray, you're going to walk again now. On the home stretch, Raymond. So I wanted to ask you something, which is. You've talked about class before, Larry, and how yeah. would you say you, it was working class background. Yeah, class yet, is huge. You know, you're, you're defined by the way you live, really, aren't you? Yeah. Not just the way you speak. You know, you might think you're working class, but really what you are is of working class origins. You know, you were raised as a working class boy. I, I think I either read or heard you saying something once, Larry, about how you speak, you're kind of multilingual, like you speak like well, bits I can of handle German my, and French. Yeah, and I, I speak French, most people say very well, um, and I can certainly handle reasonably simple, you know, reasonable day-to-day -day situations in German, Italian, Spanish. But I remember you saying once, someone was surprised and sort of expressed surprise yeah, yeah, yeah. and said, oh, how come you speak all yeah, those languages? Exactly, exactly. And what's that about, do you think? Well, I mean, the, you know, the, it is, it's the primary badge of who you are and where you're from in this country, you know? It's like you open your mouth and people start, they, they've, got you, they've got you pegged. Where are you from, right? And there is, there's no doubt about it. There's an element of negative amongst certain members of society towards those who don't speak the same as them. And it cuts both ways, up and down. Do you and think that uh, still goes on? Yeah. 100%. Do you? Without Without of course, absolutely. That's, what's, you know, that's what runs the world, or certainly runs this country. 
and you know, and I, I've just been making a show for the BBC, and I've been going around, you know, looking at looking at society really, and I've been going around the country, talking to people from all different kind of backgrounds, and and the, the one, you know, you know, of course, you go and do these things, and everybody's like, right, what's the take home? What did you learn? What did you learn? Yeah. And actually, what I, I've learned is, I think, by and large, we're just products of our environment. Yeah. You know, like. I, if you'd have asked me when I was 30 years old about, you know, like my life and my achievements and all the rest of it, yeah, I would have told you that it was all my doing. I'd been, I was the guy, I'd made it all happen. I'd, you know, I'd, be, I'd made myself a success and so on and so forth. Now, pushing 40, if you ask me, you know, how I had that bit of success, you know, I'm a white middle-class guy born in one of the richest countries in the world with you know middle class parents who or you know parents who live a middle class lifestyle uh, you know who have access to other professional people who have jobs who can give you a work placement or whatever you know yeah. this this whole thing is was was handed to me on a plate really yeah. right it was my whether or not i took the opportunities that's a different story but you know in reality compared to a guy growing up in the slums in delhi like like i, I had everything are you both, do you both vote Labour? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very definitely. And I think Jeremy Corbyn... Are you both, yeah, what do you both think of Jeremy Corbyn? I, I think he's amazing. Yeah. Sorry? And I've gradually, I've gradually been taken by Jeremy Corbyn. He's real. He cares about people. And the first time in my lifetime, we've got, we've got a senior, significant politician who, as far as I can see it, I, I, actually, I don't want to be damning about all... He's the first major politician who seems to be... He, he doesn't care about moving his career forward. He cares about looking after the majority of the people. Right. And that is so refreshing. And it makes... It's such a different take on it because most people... And not, I don't blame them. You know, we're all, we're all at it. I've been at it. You know, like, I'll look after me. And then once I'm sorted, I'll take care of everybody else, you know? Because you're just looking at this guy and you're like, whoa, he's got no agenda other than to look out for the majority of the people and for people who are, you know, like, you know, our, our society should be judged on how we look after the poor and most vulnerable in the community, right? That's a, that, how, we, how we look after them should be the measure of success. And frankly, certainly all of the governments that I've grown up in, they don't give a shit about poor people, whichever side they're on. And this guy, he does. Like, whether or not he's the, you know, he, he'll have loads of bad points and he'll, he'll make loads of mistakes and all the rest of it. And I don't think he's the messiah, but, like, it's so refreshing that there's a guy out there who's like, I care and I'm going to put everybody, you know, I'm going to put the poor people first and the majority first. So that sounds like... I can hear you saying that, standing at a lectern, addressing a, a room full it's of 3,000 people. Yeah. Is it coming? Do you think... Like so I would, like, would like you go into politics? I, I, I don't know uh, if I... I don't know necessarily if politics is... The, I, I, politics, is politics is another world. Yeah. Right. You, if you want to be a politician, go into politics. Yeah. If I you don't want to be a politician, right, and get dragged into that... I, I don't know necessarily politics. I might One day I, I've got some f notion in my head I might quite like to run for mayor of London. What are the two of you in Joint the, the dream ticket? Yeah, exactly. Larry, come on. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm much more interested in, in doing things at a local yes, level right, okay. than trying to run a country. No, right? no, no but really, <laughs> these decentralised autonomous yeah. communities, that's you know, the way yeah. to go forward. You know, yeah. just, just dealing, dealing with what you know and not getting into, these, you know, getting into this vast arena. The problem is when you get into politics, whether they will admit to it or not, you're dealing with unbelievably huge egos. Yeah, well, you're they, used to that in the... In yeah, the but not like that. Not like that. <laughs> really? No, the average actor does not really want to be the president of the world, right? The he average might want to play it. He might want yeah. to play it. politician <laughs> wants to be the prime minister and actually yeah. figures they could run the world, right? Yeah. Right. That's the difference. You know what I think? I think everyone needs to spend an hour a week with the lambs. Listen, we're, we're <laughs> because I just feel very invigorated now. I just think you need an hour with the lambs. It's Listen, like therapy. We're, we're, we're here, we're in Hampstead Heath. We're here. Up the road. Us. Hit us up on Twitter. And I wore my feminist jumper because I heard Larry say he was a feminist once. Yeah. 
So is he. <laughs> Absolutely. We're both, we're both feminists. You're both feminists? Yeah, yeah very Ooh, definitely. I got brought up by women, so... Yeah. You know, we were talking about this yesterday. If we're going to sort stuff out, then we need more women in senior positions in everything. Yeah. And, like, the guys have had a good crack at it. It's not worked. And actually, let's put some people in charge who, who actually instinctively nurture, you know? And yeah. they, they want to look after the baby, they want to look after the planet. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and it's such a sadness that seemingly, if you want to get on in this kind of man's world as a woman, you have to go and behave, you have to bring out the masculine in you, you know? Yeah. In, order, in order to... Well, I was talking about this recently on a podcast with someone, and I was talking about how I feel women in my generation in their 40s we had, we were very much taught that, you know, your role models were people like Madonna, and it was be tough, don't cry, if you have to cry at work, go outside, all that stuff. Yeah. Whereas I, I feel really hopeful when I see this younger generation of women, who sort of millennials and women in their 20s, and I think they're less like that. They're much more, they'll talk more honestly and openly and authentically about their vulnerabilities. And yeah. actually, everyone should do that, really. Absolutely, and that's it. It's all about being honest. It really is. Just be honest. So, okay, guys, we're coming to the end of it. We're getting to the cafe, and I'm going to have a cup of tea. Right. We said, I've had a really nice time with yeah, you. likewise. I really likewise. enjoy chatting no, to you. I know I can't lovely. compete with the loose women, Larry. No, no, look, it's like we're on our own wavelength here, three of us, having a chat, right? There's no sense of any competition with anybody. You know, this has been a lovely... And you're very smart because you never say who your favourite loose women is. You better believe it. But I know you're not... Well, personally, perfectly no. honest, I don't have a favourite. No. You know what I mean? They all, and that's the interesting thing. Yeah. The dynamic changes as the mix changes. Oh, yeah. So, Larry, am I turning you round to the dog now? What do you think of Raymond? Have you <laughs> oh, enjoyed your time with, with Raymond? Yeah, you've forgotten about the dog. We should end the podcast now. Well, I'm local, so don't be a stranger. No, no, don't be a stranger. Bye, George. Don't be a stranger. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, Ray. Ray, say goodbye Bye, to mate. George and Larry. Bye-bye, Ray. Hope you loved the lambs as much as I did. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. So today's doggy thought for the day is that sometimes life can throw you a bit of a messy, dirty problem to deal with. So remember what to do. Pop it in a bag throw it in the bin and move on to the next patch of shiny new grass.